The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We exist for maturing and multiplying disciples in Asheville and beyond for the glory of God. For more resources from Missio Day or to partner with us on mission, visit mdcavl.org. We're doing good? That's going to change probably. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> No, no, I got encouragement for you, I hope. Um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open to Philippians chapter one. We're gonna wrap up the book or the uh, first chapter of Philippians this morning. Uh, if, if I haven't met you, my name's Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at Missio and I'm really thankful that you take time to be with us this morning. Uh, if you are new and looking to get connected to the church, uh, there should be a blue and gray connect card in the seat back in front of you and, um, or you can go online. And, uh, and, and just let us know that you were here and, and who you are. And we'd love to get you connected into our church family. Um, thank you to those of you who came out to the town hall meeting at Bent Creek last uh, Sunday. It was great uh, to see all of you there. And um, I don't think it's an understatement to say like it, it, it felt like God was with us there. And so I'm, I'm grateful for, for you being there. Of course, the ice cream didn't hurt anything either. Um, <laughs> That's how we get a crowd is with food. Um, maybe you are Baptist after all, you didn't know it. So we also, um, it was just great. 15 years last year, uh, last week was our, our 15th birthday and grateful to celebrate that together. Uh, one thing I just wanna remind you of is this coming Sunday. So a week from today, we'll, we have our, our joint gathering, joint worship gathering at Bent Creek. So uh, 11 o'clock only. Uh, no childcare, no kids ministry that day. So bring the kids, uh, just know that uh, we don't have anything for them that day, but um, this is gonna be a really special day. It's, it's us leading everything at their place, uh, but being able to sort of demonstrate to the Bent Creek people, like this is what it would be like if we're one church together. So uh, come be part of that as, if you can. I hope that most of you will be there. Uh, bring friends if you want, whatever, but we're excited to celebrate with them. And of course, uh, in just a month or so, we got a vote. So October the 16th will be uh, the vote of both congregations as to whether or not we sense God is actually leading us together. And your prayers and discernment are really important uh, in that process with us. So um, let's see, also had a great uh, launch to community groups and Bible studies last week. Most groups launched. Uh, I know a couple didn't, uh, they'll launch this week, but uh, it's important if you haven't already gotten into community, uh, there is still room in many groups uh, and in those Bible studies for you. And so I'd love to just encourage you to do that. You can go to the info hub, info.mdcashville.org and uh, see what's available that fits your schedule. But I'd like to encourage you to do that uh, if at all possible. Um, we need each other. We need relationship with one another to hold one another up, to pray for one another, to do all that the New Testament calls us to, those one another's. Um, because the Lord is calling each of us to do something hard for him and, and we need one another and we, and we need courage. For some of you, uh, as Ryan mentioned, um, Gateway Church is launching in Waynesville this morning. Pastor Brody Medford and a core group are launching that church. And some of you might be called to, to be a church planner or to be part of a church planting team. And that is hard and it takes courage. Uh, some of you may be called to foster or adopt. And that's, that's hard. And you need the support of one another and you need courage uh, to do that. Some of you may be called um, to show up every day to a job that you cannot stand. And that's hard and it takes courage. Some of you may be called to stay home with your babies uh, and change a whole lot of diapers. And that's 
hard and it takes courage and it takes the support of one another. And not only do we need courage individually, but in our life together as a church, if we're going to be a light in a very dark place, if we're going to shine brightly for the name of Jesus in this crazy, crazy world in which we live, it's going to take courage and, and we need the support of one another and, and the power and the presence of God's spirit. Uh, if you remember the book of Acts, as we studied it, um, every time there was opportunity, there was opposition and vice versa. Every time there was opposition, there was also opportunity. Paul, uh, to the, in the letter to the Corinthians, uh, he says, um, there's a wide door that's been opened for me for effective ministry. And I have many adversaries. <laughs> The, the two just go hand in hand. And so if we're going to be a church that represents Christ well in this city and proclaims his truth in this world, it's gonna take courage. And so Paul last week, he gave us his sort of mantra for, for life. Uh, the, the, the way that he is able to in, in, be empowered with, with joy in any and every circumstance. You remember what it was? His personal mantra, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, that is just a crazy statement right off, out, out of the gate, you know, but that's how he lived his life, to live as, to live as Christ, to die his gain. Now, he's gonna turn his attention this week to the church, to us as a whole, um, as representatives together of, the, of our great God and King. And so the question I wanna just kind of keep in front of us as we're looking at the text this morning is, how can we face opposition and and to be honest, in, in comfortable America, we haven't faced a lot of opposition yet for the things that we believe, but it's coming for us. And I don't mean that as, as an us-them thing. I just mean um, it's, we're in an increasingly polarized world, and it's getting increasingly harder to stand for Jesus and biblical truth in the world we live in. Um, that's just how it is. Uh, and so how do we face opposition? How can we face opposition and opportunity, but continue to have joy and continue to be faithful to the Lord Jesus while we do it? So that's what Paul addresses for us here in Philippians chapter one. If you haven't already opened to Philippians one, uh, please get there. We're gonna be looking at the last, what, four verses here. Um, so short verses, probably not short sermon, but we'll see. It was actually short in the nine, so I got time. <laughs> um, Join me in verse 27 of Philippians chapter one. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is God's word. Thanks be to God, let's pray. Father, it's a, a privilege to be with your people this morning. It's a privilege to gather in this room under the authority of your word and in the presence of your very spirit. Um, and I, I thank you for the men and women who are here who have made it a priority to gather with the saints 
um, to worship you in spirit and in truth and to hear from you through your word. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill me, that you would strengthen and empower me to rightly divide this word for the edification, for the strengthening and for the encouragement of your people, that we might hear from you, that we might be um, stabilized and, uh, and, and firmed up this morning. Um, we come from so many different places with so much coming at us uh, in every direction. And, and so in these brief moments together, um, may we just be able to sit and, and be still and hear from you, Lord. We need it. We didn't just, we didn't drive all the way here this morning uh, just to shake some hands and listen to some songs. Uh, we came to meet with Jesus. And so would you meet with us here? Would you speak to us? Would you encourage us for your glory and for our joy. We pray these things in the beautiful name of Christ. And everybody said, amen. Now, um, I, I, I just, we got four verses, very simple, um, just a few simple observations. So I'll give you, uh, for example, my first point, which is just my, the first thing I want to point out to you. Um, and it's our worthy witness. We're going to look at this text again here. Now, Paul, as he is, um, if you remember, he's, he's in jail. He's writing this letter to the church. He's explaining to them um, uh, how he's made it this far. And then he's gonna, he's gonna encourage them with this word. And he, he uh, in verse 26, he was saying, uh, verses 25 and 26, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if I'm gonna die or not, but I think I'm gonna get out of jail. And if I do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come see you again. And so then he says this, verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. It's weird that he starts it with only. Like, I don't know how many of you have started a letter or an email with only, um, but, but it signifies something important here. Paul is, he is um, focusing our attention, admonishing the church at Philippi and us by extension uh, to, to have one singular focus. So again, to reference last week, he said, hey, you know, I would rather be with the Lord. To, to depart and to be with the Lord is so much better than to be here. And yet I'm convinced I'm gonna stay here for your progress and joy in the faith, okay? So until I see you again, keep this one essential thing in the forefront of your mind. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. In other words, for Paul, what matters most in times of hardship, pain, suffering, trial, what matters most is not so much making it through it, but the way we endure it, our manner of life. Now in the original language, this whole phrase, only let your manner of life, or at least let your manner of life is all one word. And it, it has to do with, really, there's actually a footnote in the ESV that, that might say something like your citizenship, because the word for manner of life comes from the original word uh, where we get city. So the word polis in Greek is the word city. And we get like things like police and politics and policy or citizen, city, citizen. So all those words sort of are, are related there. And so what he's saying really is, 
let your citizenship be worthy of the gospel. Now that would be very, very important to the Philippians. The city of Philippi um, was founded as a colony of Rome. I told you this a few weeks ago. Uh, after a battle, it was established as a colony of Rome. So to set foot on Philippian soil was to set foot on Roman soil, even though it was 800 miles away, okay? And many of the first um, uh, populants, if, if that's a word, uh, many of the first who established the colony um, in Philippi were, were retired or veteran Praetorian guards, okay? So they were gifted citizenship in Rome, which was a big deal and very expensive if you weren't a natural born citizen. They did not have to pay taxes, okay? And they were very proud of the values and the laws and the customs of Rome. Um, if, if Lee Greenwood had lived back then, he would have written, I'm proud to be a Philippian. You know what I'm saying? I'm proud to be a Philippian. So um, that would have been, I learned that song in the second grade in public school. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> to sing at a like presentation. So, so Paul is leveraging their loyalty. He's leveraging their pride and he's saying, hey, one thing I want you to focus on, be a model citizen, but not a Philippi of heaven. Live a life, your manner of life, be worthy of the gospel. In other words, he's saying, uh, you have a greater calling. You're a citizen of a greater kingdom. And so let your manner of life, let your citizenship reflect that greater calling. Your true citizenship has come down to you from above. You are a community who is representing, you are a representative community of the grace of God. And so to us, I would say, if we are a people who have embraced with empty hands, the finished work of Jesus, right? If we have uh, understood that, that Christ lived a life we could never live perfect and sinless in our place because we couldn't, that he died a death, taking all of our foolishness and sin and stupidity and, and absorbing the wrath of God that was rightly due to us. And he died in our place and he took our sin and then he rose from the dead so that we could receive forgiveness and, and, a, and a citizenship in a new kingdom and, and um, membership in a new family. If all of that is true of us, then our manner of life together ought to reflect the manner of life of Jesus himself. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, putting on display imperfectly, but tangibly something of this new humanity, this new way of being human that Jesus himself came to show us. We are to be living proof, living proof of a higher kingdom in this bananas world that we live in. And so the call for us as believers is not just to abstain from objectionable behavior, right? Like Christians are not just people who are morally nice and good, right? A lot of people think that about us. Um, the call is not just to, it's, it's not enough to just abstain from morally objectionable, objectionable behaviors. The call of Christ on us is honesty and virtue 
and beauty and dignity and humility um, and nobility. Things that all of us really deep down inside want for ourselves, okay? And so given that high calling, that, that citizenship in a higher kingdom, we cannot settle for things like self-absorption uh, and pride and negativity and arrogance and boasting and, and being so stinking critical. Like th- those have no place in the kingdom. And though they come so naturally to all of us, don't they? Like it's just, it's just in us, it's part of our flesh. And so um, hear this, our, our lives together are, are supposed to make it easier, not harder for people to believe that Jesus is amazing. Like there's a, there are a lot of um, arguments, a lot of, a lot of pushback against sort of organized religion in our world. And, and I always wanna laugh at that because I'm like, if you were on the inside, it's not that organized, but, uh, but, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of pushback against uh, religion, against uh, um, spiritual system because there's been a lot of damage done in the name of quote unquote God in this world. And you know what? Um, we've earned some of that. We have. And yet the greatest argument for Christianity is not a concept or some apologetic argument. The greatest argument for Christianity is a community. People should be able to come in and, and judge for themselves. Is what you experience in here just more of what's out there? Is this just a microcosm of America or is there something deeper and greater going on in here because there is someone else deeper and greater whom we are focused on and centered around? Do you, you see what I'm saying here? So, so we have a call to have a worthy witness because we have a worthy savior. And as we focus on him, the culture of this place looks, feels, smells, tastes different than out there. And it is compelling. It's compelling. So our worthy witness. But secondly, he's gonna, he's gonna explain to us that, that collectively we need courage. I, was, I mentioned this earlier. So look with me at verses 27 and 28 one more time. This, this, I call this, I'm calling this our collective courage. Only, verse 27, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ or reflective of, okay? Uh, it's, it's consistent with, it's not earning anything from the Lord, but it's consistent with the gospel. Um, let your manner of life be consistent with the gospel so that whether I come and see you or am absent, may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So our collective courage, the question we have to be asking is what does a life worthy of the gospel really look like together as a church family? And I think Paul's answer would be something along the lines of humble courage. He says here that we are called to stand firm. 
standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of gospel. Stand firm, standing firm is a military term. And so it means we're not giving in, we're not backing down, we're not giving up ground. We are firmly entrenched and committed in our convictions. I think it was Francis Schaeffer who said, the first Christians were not persecuted because they worshiped Jesus. The first Christians were persecuted because they worshiped Jesus alone. And we are facing similar pressures increasingly today. We, we face pressures from all sides. Uh, in this increasingly polarizing age that we live in. Uh, and, and I think us as believers would acknowledge there is, there is pressure to abandon the clear teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ on a variety of, of social in issues. Um, whether you're to the left or to the right, there are these pressures on Christians to abandon what Jesus has plainly taught us. Uh, and, and, and for many people, it's easier to just abandon the teaching of Christ and go with the flow of the culture, except that the flow of the culture is going directly to hell. Okay, and so um, again, as hard as it sounds, I'm not saying us, them, okay? I'm just saying they're, uh, our enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, they're not other people, okay? And so there, there are pressures on us in any age and in any culture. When we lose our humbling sense of God, of who God is, it is natural and expected that we would therefore exaggerate our sense of, of self. And that's exactly what we're seeing. There's, that's the reason why um, if, you, if you sort of look out broadly at the culture around us, there, um, we are unrestrained. And, and at the same time, uh, absolutist and arrogant and angry. Everyone's angry, right? Everyone is just kind of raging. And so... Um, If, if we will, as a, as a community, stand firm together, I believe we can be as compelling to this crazy world as the church in the first century was. And I mean, people were, were coming to faith in droves. <laughs> and they, so wide and affected door for ministry with great adversaries. Like that is Opportunity and opposition are both ahead of us and it's a glorious time to be alive. We are ambassadors for Christ, which means we never give in, but we also never lash out. Humble courage. There is um, in some sense strength in numbers, right? Some of you, uh, I've talked with you when you are, um, when you're alone, so we, we were talking about this in my community group this last week. Um, if you're at your workplace or your school, uh, whether you're a student or a teacher or you know, other places, um, when you think you're the only believer, it's hard, it's lonely, right? You feel a little isolated and like, ah, how do I? But you find just one other person who also shares Christ, who also holds to the convictions that you hold to as, like you're, you get steel in your spine. You know, you're like, okay, it's, it's, 
There's strength in numbers. And so collectively, if we together will stand side by side, okay, we can have an impact in this world. Um, we demonstrate imperfectly, but visibly something of the beauty and the greatness of the gospel of God. But did you notice how he said that we're supposed to be striving side by side? Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel? Okay, for how many of you does striving sound like simple and easy? <laughs> if I'm gonna do something and the first thing is you gotta strive, I'm like, I'm out, you know? I'll just, it's so much easier not to strive than to strive, right? So, so striving side by side together is not easy because y'all be crazy and, and getting along with one another is hard enough, much less like standing firm in this crazy world we live in. And so we are called to do something hard together. And how do we do that? He says, striving side by side in one spirit and in one mind. Most commentators uh, agree that when he says standing firm in one spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, even though it's not capitalized in the ESV. Okay, that's language Paul uses for the spirit, which means we together stay low before the Lord, dependent on God and his spirit, counting others more significant than ourselves. And you know what that does? It frees us. It frees us to be a people who are wildly different and yet stunningly unified different in age and gender, different in socioeconomic status and ethnicity, different in uh, political leanings, and yet of one mind. Like that's something only God can do to bring us to that kind of unity. And it's not easy. It takes effort and it takes a vision of something greater than us, greater than ourselves. And so we, we, we hold before us the beauty, the power, the strength, the magnificence of Jesus and his gospel. And it, and it draws us into this sort of unity. And then he says, not frightened in anything. Not frightened in anything, which is like a negative way of saying a positive thing. Paul's basically going, hey, relax. <laughs> Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. We say to ourselves, what's the worst that can happen? Our destruction? Hardly. <laughs> I, my friend Ray, I uh, was listening to his treatment on this text and he, he put it beautifully. Uh, he said, let me, one simple way to explain this, um, not frightened in anything by our opponents. How's the Roman empire doing today? <laughs> Cause like at the height of the Roman empire, there were what a hundred million or so people and the empire put to death this Jewish carpenter who claimed to be God. And then he was kind of a nobody at the time, right? Uh, and then they spent a lot of time and energy and money persecuting this movement called the way. Um, and then we fast forward 2000 years and, and the empire is no longer. And the Christian church is now 30 times larger than the Roman empire ever, ever was. 3 billion people on the earth who claim the name of Jesus. It's a sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. In other words, you cannot stand up for Jesus and lose. 
because to come against the followers of Jesus is to come against Jesus himself. When Paul, who wrote the book of Philippians before he was a Christian, and his name was Saul and he was persecuting the church, what did, what did Jesus say to him? He knocked him off his horse on the road to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because to persecute the church was to persecute Jesus himself. So, so we can't lose if we stand for him. Now, our courage, meaning our humble, stubborn resilience in the face of opposition is a clear sign that Christ is with us. And, and it is a warning, almost a prophetic warning um, of the weakness of their power and the power of our weakness. So, so that should give us some steel in our spines, right? To be able to stand for the Lord and for what um, he has called us to in the face of any opposition we might face. You guys with me so far? Okay, now, lastly, and, and I'll hurry here. Um, look at verses 29 and 30. I'm calling this our devoted discomfort. <laughs> Real cheery ending here, our devoted discomfort. Look at verse 29, he says, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Now the word granted is where we get, it's the same root word where we get grace from. So you could, you could um, translate this as you have been graced with the privilege of not only belief, but suffering for his sake, or it has been gifted to you. It's been gifted to you, not only that you should believe, but also suffer for his sake. And, and, and many of us go, can I re-gift that gift? I don't want the gift of suffering. What is that? So remember our primary citizenship is in heaven. We belong to the Lord, but he still has us here. And while we're here, we are, we are called to represent him well together and to make a positive impact in this world for his sake. And twice here in these verses, he says that for the sake of Christ or for his sake. So it has been gifted to us, granted to us, not only to believe in him, to have faith in him, but also to suffer discomfort for his sake. Here's what that means. It is, it is the assurance of who Jesus Christ is. It is the assurance of who we are in him that creates in us a, a joyful, humble courage. And the more amazed that we are, that we are loved by him, the more privileged we feel to live for him. I'll say that one more time. The more amazed we are that we are loved by Jesus, the more privileged we feel to live for Jesus, no matter the cost. And if you find yourself sort of dodging bullets flying at you, at least you know you're going in the right direction. <laughs> it means you are advancing on enemy territory, so to speak. And we have a real adversary who does not want Jesus or his church to succeed. Okay, so, so 
I know this maybe feels a little ethereal to some of us just because we don't face this kind of persecution, suffering, whatnot yet uh, in the world in which we live. But here's what I want you to take away. Um, In Christ, our lives are no longer limited by our small purposes. Our lives are no longer twisted or distorted by our selfish purposes. There's a banner over every one of our lives that reads for the sake of Christ. What an honor that is. So, So we are called to live for his glorious purposes which means your life matters. All of of our broken, twisted up little lives matter to Jesus. They matter for Jesus and for the sake of his kingdom. And there's not a single one of us when facing all the junk that we face in this life, when we get to heaven, if you read, you know, the book of Revelation, you read the end of all things and you see that whether, whether we die and, and go to him or he comes again, there is a day coming. There, there, there's a day coming when you and I will, will look at Jesus in his eyes. We will see him face to face. Our joy will be complete. And there's not a single one of us who is gonna look back on all the pain and suffering in our life and say, well, that wasn't worth it. None of us are gonna look Jesus in the eye and go, heaven is kind of underwhelming. I I probably should have lived for myself more. So, So who is this one to whom we are devoted and for whom we are willing to suffer discomfort. The Bible says, I need a sip of water for this. The Bible says he is the only begotten son of God, the son of man, the son of righteousness, the king of glory, the Lord of Lords, the lion of Judah, the bright and morning star, the author of life, the bread of heaven, the cornerstone, the good shepherd, the fountain of living waters, the man of sorrows, the suffering servant, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the great high priest, the one mediator between God and man, the sinner's savior, the risen one, the resurrection and the life, the alpha and the omega, the word, the way, the truth, the life, the vine, the Messiah, the Christ, Emmanuel, the great I am. Belief in him? We do not deserve that. Discomfort for his sake? We don't deserve that. It's that view of who he is that changes our perspective from I don't deserve this pain to I don't deserve this honor. 
for his sake. Standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, striving side by side together for the faith of the gospel. This is our call together to put on display imperfectly, but tangibly something of this greater kingdom to which we belong. So that the aroma of Christ goes with us outside of these walls and people go, you're not like everybody else in this world. What is wrong with you? And you go, Jesus is what's wrong with me. You wanna come? And they go, you know what? I do, <laughs> I do. So as I wrap up, I got a few questions to put on the screen here for you. Um, and then we'll move into our time of response. So first question, you can write these down as they come or take a picture of the screen. Um, I want you to think about this. In what ways is my manner of life or my citizenship consistent with the gospel? Maybe it's easier for you to think of it in the negative way. In what way is my manner of life not consistent with the gospel? But assuming that you are someone who has surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, um, and, and I put our in there, my and our, because we need to think of this communally as well, collectively, right? Paul's letter is to the church, not just to us as individuals. So how does my manner of life reflect or, or be consistent with the gospel? How's our manner of life? In what ways are we not consistent with our calling, right? Well, we need to know about that. We need to talk about that. We need to understand how, how we as a community are perceived and and in what ways we are not demonstrating a life that's worthy or consistent with the gospel of Christ. So maybe there's a, a positive way you take this or a negative way to take this. Either way, we celebrate where God has brought us to. Uh, and then we, we, have, um, we have material to pray over <laughs> for what we believe God wants to bring us into, if that makes sense, right? We can, we can look at the consistency of our lives or the, the worthiness of our walk and say, praise God that he's brought me this far. And then we can look ahead and go, but I'm not there yet. There's still, we still have, we still have, I still have work to do. And so Lord, would you meet me here and would you change me so that my life reflects the life of Jesus more and more? Second, where do I need courage to stand firm? And I don't stand alone, so who is standing with me? Um, there, there are some of you in your, in your workplaces, um, in your schools, even among family. I've heard horrific stories of people in this church who have family members who do not follow Jesus and are just, who just treat them atrociously because of what they believe. Um, you need courage to stand firm. And so where do you need courage to stand firm? And, and do you have people who are standing with you? Do you have a community, a, a family in Christ who are holding you up um, as, you, as you stand firm, as you stand up for uh, Jesus, okay? Third, and finally, how does a clearer view of Jesus? So, you know, sort of that, that wasn't even all of the names of Jesus that I, describe for us, but how does a clear view of, of Jesus and his finished work, who he is, his nature and his character, his, his work, his life, his death, his resurrection, how does a clearer picture of that strengthen me to live for him, for his sake, not for me, not for my own selfish purposes or my, or my um, sort of small purposes, but, but how's, how does a picture of Christ uh, strengthen me to live for his sake, for, for his glorious purposes? 
Okay, so you can take these questions, you can write them down, you can, you can pray over them right now, you can take them to community group, you can take them to lunch with you after church here, but um, I hope that it, it stirs something in you as you think about these things. I'm gonna pray for us. Uh, we're gonna have just a moment of, of quiet reflection, uh, and then I will open the communion tables. And um, at Missio Day Church, we practice communion every week because it's a reminder of the grace that we need and the grace that's available in Christ. He has come to live a life we couldn't, to die a death we deserve, to rise again from the dead. And we celebrate that every single week in multitudes of ways. One of those ways is in communion where we come to the table reflecting on his work, his life, his broken body to bring wholeness and healing to me, his shed blood to cleanse me of sin and unrighteousness, the, the promise of, of a future with him forever, you know? And so um, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can come to these tables, break, take a piece of the bread, dip into the juice or the wine, whatever your conscience allows. Um, uh, as you do that, we'll be just playing a, a song uh, over you. And then um, as you make your way back to your seats, they're black boxes. If you uh, are a, a regular here, a member, and you wanna give financially to the work of the kingdom through Missio Day Church, you can do that. Uh, if you are new and wanna be known, a connect card can go in there. Uh, for, many, for any of you, if you need prayer, uh, you can write. We got a ton of prayer requests last week. I'm so thankful for that. And so if there's ways we can pray for you, uh, fill that out and, and then drop it in the box as well. Um, as you make your way back to your seats, the band's gonna lead us in a couple songs. Uh, and then I got a few announcements for you. We've got some new members joining today and then we'll get you out of here. Let me pray and then we'll respond. Father, I thank you for these men and women. Um, thank you for this strange and beautiful passage of scripture. <laughs> and um, I know it's hard maybe for some of us to make sense of how we actually apply that text uh, into our Monday morning as we go to work or school or wherever. And, and yet um, the Bible is replete with... Um, Warnings that we will face opposition and pain and hardship for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so um, it's preparation. You are preparing us. And so I pray that we would hold these things dear, that we would press them into our souls and that you would strengthen us as a people together to reflect the beauty and glory of God in this city um, and to be able to weather whatever comes our way um, for your sake and so, Lord, as we do business with you right now, as we think about our own lives and our involvement in this community, how connected to this family we are and whether what, what that says about our uh, devotion to you and to your kingdom, um, I pray that you just help us right now to, to be still in your presence, to allow you to speak into our souls and that our response to you and repentance and faith and, and communion and giving and in worship through song would be um, all for your glory. And you'd fill us with joy in your presence here as we do so. So we love you. We ask your blessing over our time together, our response time now in the name of Jesus. And we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.